0: All right, welcome to another episode of the Itty Bitty Podcast. Um, I don't know why I'm doing that voice right now. Uh, It's the day after Super Bowl, so congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs for winning against the San Francisco 49ers. It was an awesome game. Um, The halftime show is good. Um, If you saw, I tweeted something about um, uh, tissues and lotion um in preparation for that uh halftime show so yeah um that was quite a show liked it very much came for the asses was not let down um loved it um <laughs> so this week on the, well actually I should probably backtrack a second if you've been enjoying the show make sure you uh subscribe rate and review all that good stuff uh please try to do everything through the website i've said this before um but i have ads on the website and so it helps me keep the show ad free and that way i don't have to run ads you know at the beginning middle and end um I, i've said it before i will only run ads if they i think that it's pertinent to the listeners so um that being said as of right now i uh, try to use the website if you can to to it has links through to like apple podcast google podcast stitcher uh, YouTube, all of that stuff right there. And I've been uh, late on getting the YouTube stuff out, but I think I finally f- figured out a solution, uh, for my internet. So I can start getting back to, uh, speed on that stuff. Um, follow us on Twitter at itty bitty uh, Instagram, itty bitty podcast. Um, again, all that stuff you can get through the website. So try to go through there. Um, yeah so my guess this week since we're getting after super bowl everybody's probably um all like like if you're like me i just binge ate all day that was like my pregnant wife wanted me to make calzones and so i made calzones and just ate like a fucking fat person um it was it was bad um and i definitely gained like four pounds from that um but my guest this week is, um, somebody I've known for a little while, um, a few years now, actually, we, um, worked together when I first moved out here. I haven't talked to him in a while, but I've been kind of going back and forth with him. Uh, he was one of the first people I reached out to when I started the podcast and we've been trying to figure out a time to make it work. Um, so I got him, we just did a remote podcast. We had some time since the holidays are done now, um because in the restaurant business, it's a busy, busy time. So he took some time to talk to me, um, Chef Josh Delgado. Um, he is the sh- one of the chefs at um, Coin Restaurant in Fremont. He explains it better than, than I do, but that's uh, by Seattle, Washington. Um, so, yeah, I was excited to talk to him and learn a little bit more about his, his story as far as... Being in the restaurant industry and being a chef and all that stuff goes. Um, so I thought it was a really good podcast. Um, excited for you guys to check it out. And it was, um, it was interesting. We talked about how you know how how he got into food, what it's like to run a restaurant. So a lot of the background stuff. Uh, we even came up with like the next big food show, but you're gonna have to listen to the podcast to find out about that. Um, But remember, this is not a podcast about Chef Life. It's the Itty Bitty Podcast. It's anything but, and it starts now. Welcome to the Itty Bitty Podcast! right, itty-bitty podcast, we're we're rocking and rolling. Um, My guest this week, I will have already introduced him, but um, we have a little bit of history together. We worked together at a restaurant a few years back. Uh, Josh Delgado, Chef Josh, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know that when, especially this time of the year, you're probably super busy, so I appreciate you stopping by and talking with me. Um,
1: yeah want really
0: to be here so why don't you we'll get start we can talk about like our our history together in a little bit but why don't you get started and talk a little bit about you know your background in with with food you know how you got into food was it something that you've been into since you were a kid um what kind of uh what makes you tick as far as that stuff goes
1: uh well i've been uh i've been doing this my my entire adult life I'm, I'm going to be 36 here soon and I've been doing it since I was 16 um I got into it just uh honestly by uh coming home after uh after school once all the sports seasons were done with nothing really to do and uh honestly watching watching the food network it was like when the food network was like exploding so I was watching like uh an episode of emerald and I thought man like that would be that would be a lot of fun to I even have the opportunity to just, like, make some money. I, you know, I was in, like, a high school state of mind. Just wanted to make some extra cash to, to pay for all the extracurricular activities. And uh, And so I knew there was a restaurant that opened up near my house. Uh, and we kind of lived in, like, a new development in the sticks. And it was the only thing that was even remotely, like, worth walking to. So I called them up. And um, long story short, um, it'll be almost 20 years this year.
0: Twenty years in the restaurant industry, mm-hmm. and so you, you said you st- you started twenty years ago, and and did you start immediately with working b- in the back of the house, or did you start? Had you started, you know, some like dish dish washer, busser, anything like that, or did you start right away, in back of the house?
1: Oh yeah, no, absolutely, definitely started with the dishwasher um and was able to uh able to do a bunch of different um different positions at this particular this particular spot um but yeah i started out as the, the dishwasher and um then when i got into more of the college age uh, it was a little bit more difficult to go to school and and cook so i transitioned to the front of the house for about a year uh still always kept the foot in the kitchen uh, would always cook uh, but primarily while i was in college uh I worked in the front of the house, which <clears throat> proved to be um, a huge advantage um, as a chef in the back of the house. So, um, but, it, you know, out of, the, out of the 20 years, cooked every single year, one of the years, worked in the front as well. Um, and then, uh, long, you know, and there's work, you know, work several places, you know, after that. But that's how, that's how it all started.
0: So, was cooking something that was big in your house growing up then, or was it something that was kind of, just done out of necessity or was it like do you come from a family of of chefs
1: you know i i, I didn't i didn't even know that i y- yes and no to answer your question so no we we didn't i wouldn't say i, I grew up in a uh um a really like food, like food wasn't necessarily like a a terrible focal point um uh, to be completely honest. My mom would probably hate me for saying this, Like she she when she did the cooking, it was it was never my favorite. <laughs> um, and uh, but I do remember, like on certain birthdays and stuff like that, like my dad would make uh, you know uh, you know some pasta dishes that I that I really liked, and I was requested every year. And come to find out, after after I even started in the industry, he actually had moved up to Seattle um, from Arizona, where, where we're all originally from. Uh, and went to like Seattle Central and got a culinary degree and, and cooked downtown which I had no idea until mm-hmm. after I started cooking um, so it was just purely coincidence to be completely honest so um, I'm not really quite sure where it where it came from but it wasn't uh, it wasn't a huge emphasis I will say of the extended part of my dad's family um, it, it's it's um, it food was food was a bigger deal there but it was. It was more like Mexican comfort food, so it was very different from what I do now.
0: So, as far as what what are you doing right now?
1: Right now, we we really focus on just doing. Uh, it's gonna sound real vague, but like American Northwest cuisine. You know, so we we work with what's good when it's good. Um, we focus on the seasons. We try to work with. What's around us as much as possible, which, which is a ton up here, um, and we have you know a little bit of more of a French bend to it, um, but you know we'll draw inspiration from from anywhere really. So, so modern, modern American, modern American good
0: way to do what it. So for people who don't know, because we don't always, you know, on the 80 bitty podcast, we co- cover different topics. We might do one topic for a couple weeks and then switch up and go to a different topic. So we're not always talking about restaurant and chef life and stuff like that. Um, so for for people that don't know. So how do you come up? I know you mentioned you touched a little bit on it. Uh, you said seasons, so is that so? That's, does that play a major role? I mean, obviously, it plays a major role in in creating a menu. But what other type of things do you have to focus on when coming up with a menu? Like, you're obviously looking for freshness, what's in season, but what else are you kind of looking for when you're when you're changing up a menu? And how often do you change up your menu?
1: You know, we try to do we try to do major changes. I would say four to six times a year, um, but we do new food pretty much weekly um but in terms of just like what we're looking to do it's it's often honestly whatever we, we get excited about because whatever we're excited about for whatever reason be a podcast we listen to or a book that we're reading we're, we're all very much into i have a ton of cookbooks and at this point in time i feel like i just collect them more of a collector of them than anything's more of like a hobbyist thing because i have you know i let's say i bought six or seven cookbooks last year you know I've, I've really gotten into just a couple of them so sometimes i'll circle back and open it up and just see what other people are doing and um and while you know you don't want to certainly just completely rip anybody off you it, know it, it'll, it'll spark ideas and you know i mean let's be honest like not everything's been done right you know for the most part now everything everything's really been done so you know we just draw inspiration or something that just something that we would find interesting Plus, we also kind of understand what we need to uh, create in the restaurant to sell, you know, logistically and, and functionally and what people are actually going to be interested in. So we take a, a, a number of variables, but, um, you know, now, now, you know, like social media being so huge as well. So you can, you can see what people are doing in New Auckland. And there's some chefs out there that are doing some like amazing things that you would never, you know, never think to do. And so it could be, like I was saying, it could be opening up a book you haven't done in a while. We all, a lot of us do like little note pad journals and flipping back to some ideas that might have just popped in our head, you know, two months ago. Or we might have somebody come around saying, hey, I have this crazy new variety of cabbage or just this traditional cabbage, but, you know, the quality is exceptional and we'll, just, we'll kind of, you know, run from there, you know. So if somebody brings cabbage to me, I, you know, I immediately think, you know, just something with, with pork. You know, so that's kind of how it
0: works. Now, you said you collect cookbooks um, with everything kind of moving towards digital. And you said that you're more of a collector of the cookbooks now. You don't you, you don't really use them as a, as a resource. Is that uh, what you were saying? I, I use it less often. I mean,
1: unfortunately or unfortunately, I do want to look at it. You know, we don't. We're going to open up books as often as we open up our phones. Right. So, so that was so, basically what
0: yeah, I was getting yeah. at. Have you moved more towards digital? Then are you are you like, are you finding that it's easier now with with being connected to so many other people to get different ideas that you might not have gotten? You know, let's say ten years ago, before the internet was as big as it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, that definitely the. the there's definitely a benefit to diving into the books like with, with digital and I can't say that I've never really downloaded any digital cookbooks or, or anything like that. A lot of them are like memoirs and things like that. Mm. But, um, what I will say is like, it, it's just like really just an initial, um, spark when you, when you, when you're talking about digital aid. Um, so that happens more often. Not, but when I really want to get it, when I really want to get into something, um, you know, physical copies of the books are, are really the way to go because they're, they're they're there's definitely a difference in quality, you know, in terms of how books are written. Like you can look and see, like, oh, this is actual, legitimate, you know, research and development that they put down on paper that you can use um, if you want to learn a technique, you follow their their recipe and and then you learn just a new style of cooking. So to get more into its actual uh, depth of what your um, your research, what I'm researching, or or at the time, the book's definitely way to go. But you know, the digital the digital age just really made it to where every day you're going you're gonna to have a spark or something, which which might not necessarily be good. You know, it might be it might be a little bit of an overload sometimes. I think, and you can't really. You know, you might have a page of a hundred ideas, but you've never really dove into any of them. So that, that would be the downfall. But but digitally, that's a lot of times that's where it comes from.
0: Now, as far as like going, as far as working in a restaurant is concerned, and when you're when you're a chef, you're like one of the top people, I guess. Um, it's so. Does that? So, how much are you involved in? being a head, like a head chef somewhere or being a chef that's involved heavily in like the, the creation of the menu and all that stuff, how involved are you in like the marketing and the social media? Like, do you have interactions with people online and do you have like, are those mostly negative or are they mostly, cause I know I've worked restaurant for a long time. I've talked about this on the podcast before I worked restaurant for like 10 plus years, I think um, before I decided to get out of it. Um, and I know that like people can be, assholes especially if they're hungry if they're like like i've seen people sit down and their demeanor will completely change they'll they'll treat you like absolute dog shit and then the second they have two bites of their food it flips and they're like your best friend so do you yeah. how much how much like how many interactions are you having online like with the community um and how have those experiences been as far as as you're concerned
1: well with every place that i um been, it's been a little bit different. So, um, for instance, the, the spot that we worked at together, um, it was I was involved with the, the social media, but really just providing content and, and, and posting. I wouldn't really engage uh, with too many folks, uh, other than maybe saying, you know, thanks for kind words or glad you had a great time or something that warranted a, a positive uh, response. Um, and, at the at our restaurant now, we're we're very small so in terms of the marketing um and and mini writing was that your question you broke up there a little bit were you asking how involved i am in the mini, in the mini writing
0: well no i was asking uh, um how involved you are in like the marketing and stuff and how involved you are in like the social media aspect um because i had i'd have to imagine if you're coming up with the menu and you're you're doing all that's like you know you're that involved that like, would you want your spin on, on trying to get people in, into, to basically, because that's at the end of the day, I mean, you're, you're want, you want people to come try your product. And so like marketing is an extension of that product. So do you, is that something that you, you, you handle a lot yourself? Or is that something that, that you, um, you know, it was kind of a two-part question, just kind of about how your interactions had been, if you are, you know, working with other people in the community, talking to people, talking to people online—just how those interactions have been. If, if you know, you could share it, enlighten people on that.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm um, heavily involved, largely, mostly involved in uh, in the social media and the marketing uh, side of it. From everything from doing our social posting um, to doing uh, just culinary offsites, where you know we spend our time and our money. Just engaging guests face to face. And so, with us being, we're a we're smaller spot, you know, we're a small independent spot. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the chef partner of where I'm at now, uh, LaCoin in Fremont, Seattle. Uh, and my partner is the majority owner of it. It's uh, Jordan. He, um, I mean, we kind of tag team it. He really works with like the emailing list, um, I think. He does a great job with that, um, which seems to be actually uh, the most beneficial for us. Uh, but I handle our our Instagram and our our, our Facebook um, posts. and yeah, it's important for for it to have it, it be an extension of you know of what we're doing in the restaurant so you can really capture the vibe of what we're doing. Um, that's that's a big that's a big thing for me. And in terms of of engaging with uh, uh, with folks, you know I, I really don't uh, have really too many negative experiences. Because uh, I just I won't if I if it's if it's a ridiculous um, statement or or somebody's just being silly like I just I don't give it the time of the day. Right. So if uh, if anything I, I I try to keep it like uh, solely on the positive aspect of it. Uh, and sometimes certainly there's there's issues for we have to address it where I guess didn't have a great time or, you know, they didn't particularly care for something. And we'll address that, you know, more so, more so in private, but I'm, uh, I'm a big proponent of not, of not being negative, um, on, uh, in the open, at least, you know, I don't, we get an argument. you know, it's, it, to me, it's just like interacting with people face to face. Like if we're going to have an argument or a disagreement about something, we'll probably, probably more chance to do it. Um, uh, in, the, in the privacy of, of wherever uh, and not out in the open. You know, we wouldn't get into an argument in front of a group of people, typically. I mean, it certainly happens.
0: Unless you're me. But,
1: what's
0: that? I said, unless you're me. I don't um, know if you're me. I don't recommend, like, taking after my example for anything, uh especially work-related. I was always a pain in the ass, so... um I, you said uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier that when you were first getting into cooking, you would watch like Food Network, and that was the, the big thing that got you into it. What, who was somebody that you aspired to be, as far as like you know that you looked up to, uh, then? And then who is somebody that you you like would aspire to or look up to, you know now?
1: Well, in the early days, um, you know, it's it's throwback, and it's probably an unpopular thing to say, but you know, I was I loved watching Emerald Show. You know, I thought he was, I thought he was You know, I was you know I was six, 15, sixteen, but I thought he was hilarious. I loved watching watching anything he did. Um, you know, I guess I guess I will say like even from a young age, I always like shows, always like uh, uh, the Frugal Gourmet or. Uh, you know, Julia show or Dr. Benz. um all those, I really, again, Ken Cook, you know, I, I always, I always enjoy all of those. So, when it became its own channel, I thought it was really cool. Um, so, I, I liked Emer- Emerald. Emerald was a big part just because, honestly, just because he was on when I got home from school.
0: Um, mm.
1: That's a lot of why I watched him, but who I absolutely loved in the very beginning, I was a really big fan of James Oliver, um, who, uh, who's since, turn into an absolute. Uh, are you familiar with what I'm talking about. You said Jamie, Jamie
0: Oliver. Oliver. No, I, the name Jamie sounds Oliver, familiar.
1: His nickname is the Naked Chef, and he's been around forever.
0: Oh, okay, just, I've he heard, heard that. Just, yeah,
1: yeah, he's just a he's just a in terms of chess going. Just a, I mean, he's like an international superstar for what he what he's done. He's, he's based out of uh, England, and uh, I always really really enjoyed his show the most. Largely just his energy, and he just. Um, I like the style of food, but it's still, to this day, kind of proved to be similar. Like, I, I, I'm the I type of person who likes, huh? you know, maybe four to six ingredients on a plate, you know, real mm-hmm. simple, but done, you know, done real well, um, to put it simply. So, he was somebody I really looked up to, plus he was young, yeah. you know, like, you know, em- Emeril was a little bit of an older, older gentleman, even when I was young, and uh, he was a real young, Jamie Oliver was a, a really young guy, and now there's, terms of who i look up to now there's there's so many there's so many that are out there there the renee redzepis um from noma of the world are just that's that's incredible you know what what he's done out there um and uh, there's uh, to be a honest mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big i'm a big fan of, of a lot of of a lot of chefs for a lot of different a lot of different reasons whether you know it's regionally or even locally or um or what what people do um you know, internationally and, and nationally really big fan of Dan Barber. He's probably my number one, um, probably my favorite chef of, of all time. He's out of, he's out of New York, uh, Blue Hill Farms. I had a pleasure meeting him a few years ago and he, he self-describes his place as a, uh, a restaurant with a, with an overriding message. It's very, very purpose-driven Mark is, is what he says. And what they're really trying to achieve there is bring back a lot of, um, heirloom varietals, um, Raised in a, a very sustainable um, uh, farming manner, where there's a lot of crop rotation. It's obviously everybody likes to throw around, the, you know, the the buzzwords like that, like organic and things of that matter, which, which, which is fantastic. But you know, there's much more to it. There's much more nuance when you're saying organic. You know, um, it's it's how they do it. They're very much into. Um, Living, living basically in, in synergy with with, uh, with nature and uh, and Mother Earth and, and how they do it is amazing. because they cook at an extremely high level, um, but it all is solely focused on what's coming out of the ground and how they how they treat um, how they treat where they where they raise their animals and where they raise their where they grow their vegetables and fruits and and like is um, is pretty uh, uh, it's, it's pretty inspiring. It's, it's all about uh, it's all about doing it the right way.
0: Yeah, And I feel like if you're a chef now, there's so many ways to get your, whether it's your message or you know, your content out. It's just there's so many different ways. there's Instagram, there's there's Snapchat. YouTube, Netflix now is is putting out different specials and stuff. So I think it's it's a great time if you're if you're a food geek or if you know somebody who like likes to eat food, uh, make food. Um, there's just so many different ways to consume that content that I think it's a really cool time. Um, now, as far as right now you're at obviously you're gonna say that this is the best experience that you've ever had working because that's like the current job that you have uh are you able to tell us any of like your worst chef experiences whether it's like you know one of the first experiences you ever had or um you know whether it's a specific story or just like in a general experience you don't have to blow up anybody's spot or like talk shit about any anybody but if you have any good stories that would be helpful um
1: specific stories about just
0: just like what your worst experience would be like i, w- I want to know kind of what your worst experience as a chef is whether that's like a, a you know a whole like re- a restaurant you worked at um, or if it's like a, a specific like i know everybody who's worked restaurant before can t- can l- can look to specific moments that was like like they, i still have mo- moments w- w- from restaurant that i think about that like were some of the shittiest like work experiences, but then you also have some that are, that are great experience as well. Um, but right now I want to ask about like, what, what are some of the the worst experiences you've had as far as a chef would be? If you can tell any, it's like, you don't have to blow up anybody's spot. Like you don't have to say any names of any, any restaurants, oh, but, sure. but
1: yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, there's, there's so many, uh, i mean as you know i mean there's it it gets it can get hectic on a on a daily basis i think that in terms of the worst things that ever happened i mean specific services um pop out and unfortunately they're not terribly they're not terribly exciting um well i guess i, I guess i have a couple um there was uh, there was one I, there was one service in particular where we had experienced like a heat wave up here. It was actually up here in Washington. I was working at a, at a really high end spot, um, and we had uh, because of the heat, um, we had uh, a lot of issues with power outages at the time, uh, just breakers blowing. It's just we were the the, the area that we ran was just growing too much. Everybody was you know all obviously you know. The, Everybody's you know buying, going out buying AC units, and just maxing was just maxing out the grid. And we at the time fortunately didn't have a generator or a backup mm. on the, the restaurant, or very very little. I mean, we did, but it was all um, it was all restaurant side of it. So, um, so one of those times, uh, what had happened is coincidentally the oven, the main oven that we worked with on the front line had gone down, which is already just. Enough pain in the ass to, to fuck up your night. Um, but uh, while the oven was down, the power went out, and because the power went out, um, and the the, gener- the bracket of generators were only um, powering um, the AC in the front of the house mm-hmm. and in uh, the restaurant, I should say, and the uh, and the lights and things and things with that that manager, you know, all, all all centered around all, all centered around the guests. experience You know, it's very important. But it turned off our hoods, you know, so we had no hood system, uh, we had no lights, um, it turned off the return air to the kitchen, um, meaning the air that comes back down from the hoods, right. that circulates out. So, a lot of what we had to cook, it, what we would normally do is we would, let's say you have a piece of fish, you sear them stove, and then you're going to throw it in the oven. Right. Well, that wasn't an option because the oven wasn't working, so we had to do everything, still a lot of the stove top, um, which is fine, but we don't have... Um, when you don't have a hood system you don't have the ventilation system going um it's fucked i mean just completely i mean you know how it is at home you have one cancer
0: right and and your house hot
1: now imagine now imagine having 16 of those going yeah you know and 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 it's already brutally fucked hot um
0: and you have to wear a certain amount of clothes and stuff because you have to abide by sanitary codes and stuff so it's not like you can take your shirt off and like yeah. yeah
1: Yeah. <laughs> Nobody it. yeah
0: cooking a little but, you know, it was, that,
1: was, that, was, that was fucking brutal it was um, it was super hot and unfortunately the time that it happened it was such an awkward time to where you know at points in time like that you say I'm sorry you know we have to shut down for a little bit but we had a completely full restaurant and a completely full ticket rail with, with orders so it was um, it wasn't so much like you and a lot of these people were halfway through or halfway into their meal I should say and uh, so it's not like you can say sorry well right. right? it, it was yeah you, you had to finish it out and that was that was a pretty that was a pretty awful experience but there's been uh I can give you a thousand experiences of equipment going down at the worst possible time multiple pieces of equipment and you know if you don't have the to do the job I mean, you can understand how how difficult that can be yeah not and I'm not even I haven't even mentioned getting into like the the managing of, of of personalities that's just a, that can
0: just be a colossal life. oh yeah i mean i i work i've worked restaurant for a long time and i know like i've worked a couple different places and there's it's there's front of the house there's back of the house i i worked front of the back of the house very shortly and i was really bad i like i was so bad that they they gave me the option to work like it was a i think it was aramark was the company and he was like, well, you can work the register or we're going to have to let you go. Because I was that slow in the kitchen. Like I sucked at, I cook at home. I can cook at home. I take my time. But kitchen cooking, I cannot do it. And so I've moved to front of the house and became, you know, bartender, server. and But you don't realize how much goes into like that whole system. like Like you said, managing personalities. Because you've got, and everybody thinks that they're like the top people. You know, the bartenders think they run shit. The servers think they run shit. The cooks think that they run shit. And it's just, uh, so I can imagine that how much goes into, like, that's why I, n- I never had any any desire to, like, some people will say, oh, it must be fun to own a bar. I'm like, no, I don't think it would be fun at all. Like, it might be fun if you own, like, a little small town dive bar, like, family owned. But yeah, that, managing personalities, I don't think that that would, that's not an easy thing to do for really anybody. Um, I have a really, really quick, I'll tell a little quick story about one of my shitty restaurant experiences. Um, uh, oh, did I lose you? Hold on one second. No, I'm not What's going on there? What just happened? Um, ch- 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 um, hold on one second. What just happened? I don't know. I lost your video. I don't know what happened. let see. Oh, there goes my video. All right, whatever. I will just keep going. I don't want to mess with it too much. Um, so I was working. This was in California, Southern California, and I was working for this restaurant. It's there's no longer around. It was called French Connection or something, and so it had changed hands. It was bought by. It was this family-owned place that I think it was even on Kitchen Nightmares, one of those shows with Gordon Ramsay, and uh, oh yikes. Yeah, so it was one of those places and I worked there after they were on kitchen nightmares and so they had been purchased by these guys. I think they were the uh, like these Persian guys and really like kind of shady guys that would always have different people in and out of the building and like they would have their friends sitting at the bar. Like every day I would go to work as a bartender and I would have I would have to wait on their friends. It got to the point where I would tell them like I would say to my manager, like, hey, man, your friends don't tip and I don't have time to take care of them. So anytime his friends would come in, I'd have to go to the back and be like, hey, man, your friends are here. Come take care of them because I'm not fucking doing it and work there for a while. They would do really stupid stuff. Like we were in the hottest point of of the valley, the San Fernando Valley in in California. If you don't know what that is, it's like it gets like one hundred and ten on a regular basis in certain spots. So it was hot and we didn't have A.C., And he decided to put the AC in Um, like halfway through the summer. He puts the AC in the next day, um, like literally the next day it was stripped. Somebody had come and stolen the copper, but they didn't hit anybody else on the block. So they would do shady shit like that. And the day that I quit, I went in there and I had gone in the day before and they had he had he hadn't told anybody that he was completely changing the concept of this restaurant. So it had been this French restaurant that was there for years, family owned, did really well. Everybody knew it. They took over, changed the name. And within like, it was like less than a year, They they changed the concept completely. They was gonna change it to like a pita pocket place, and he went from a French restaurant to a pita pocket place literally overnight and didn't tell anybody. So I went in there and I'm like, like I would quit. Like I'm not gonna work at this restaurant. This isn't what I signed up for. And you know he kind of begged me to stay. I told him no because one they were shady and shit, and that was just like. Yeah, that was one of my worst experiences ever. There was a lot of shit that happened at that restaurant, but that was like one of the shadier things. It was just overnight he changed concepts and didn't tell anybody, like didn't tell the chefs, didn't tell the employees. We all just showed up. Like, what are we supposed to be doing? So, restaurant design can be, it can be wild sometimes. So, I want to ask you. We talked about worst experiences. So, what's like one of your better experiences? Like, it was it serving something to somebody. Um, is it like a guest interaction that somebody you just made somebody's day? What is one of your better or best experiences as a chef?
1: Well, I think on a daily basis, just when people truly enjoy your product, that's that's, that's um, you know, small victories are are really nice. I think the the overall the most um, rewarding, um, most rewarding parts of, of this gig are um, being able to. Uh, take certain certain people in um, into the into the trade and um, watching them develop and then uh, and then seeing them move on and doing the wrong thing. Uh, I think that's that's probably the highest the highest accolade you can have as a chef. If you have several people who worked for you and then gone on to be successful, to me that's that's a mark of a of a, of a great chef. Um, you know, I'm pretty proud of what we pretty proud of what we've done now you know, with coin in, um, uh, in our restaurant right now, you know, we're, a, uh, I could go, you know, I could go on for days and days and days, uh, about all the things. And I'm, I'm super proud of that. I was also really proud of, um, the, the spot that you and I worked at out in Alderbrook. Mm-hmm. Um, and after, you know, after a couple of years, of really grinding at that program, you know, with the front, working with the, the team in the front and the team in the back and where we were, you know, the last year leading up to, to me and uh, the last year that I was there, I was really really proud of the program we put together. It was when we when we were firing off, all so cylinders. It was an extremely well-oiled machine, and standards were raised, and people were excited about their about their jobs. And it uh, it took so long because it was such a such a large operation. You know, I think we have
0: right.
1: eighteen people on the staff in my restaurant right now, but at Olderbrook it could it could be one hundred twenty, you know, people in the in the department. So uh, that took that took a while to really, uh, uh, you know, let the culture a new culture soak in once they came. So that was I was very proud of that. Um, and so those those are those are probably the 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 highlights that I you know I try to I try to keep in my mind because there's so many there's so many challenges. You know how difficult it can
0: be. So so now you're going from small. You said you're in a small restaurant right now to what you're at um now or sorry small restaurant now going from from the bigger like well-oiled machine that was alderbrook um what are some of the challenges like you know are you is it hard to go from that 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 huge restaurant to something a little bit smaller and is it. Difficult to go because, I mean, Alderberg was in the middle of nowhere, basically. Like there was nothing on either side of it. You got water on the other side. And so it's it's kind of secluded out there from there over to where you're at now in Seattle, kind of in the thick of everything. Um, What are some of like the challenges that you face from going from one extreme to the other?
1: Um, Time, you know, uh, time is always – the uh, the number one the number one factor, you know, uh, going from the spot we were at, there was infrastructure. You know, there was a marketing department, there was a there was an engineering department. You know, if something went wrong wrong in terms of like a mechanical and kitchen or or anything went down, um, there was a human resource department. And there was having all of those, uh, having all that infrastructure and all those tools. Um, And being able to work with, with all of those folks was, um, was very helpful and not that I took it for granted, but going to an independent spot, you know, we do everything, you know, we, you know, we go from, uh, you know, we do, you know, we we try to do, we tend to do, you know, our own plumbing. When we bought the place, you know, we did a lot of the demo, um, you know, I learned a lot about how to use a bunch of different tools that, that I never knew um, knew how to use. You know, I've always I've always been in the in the kitchen, so I you know I never never worked on my construction side. Never um, had to learn all that real quick. Um, not that we did anything terribly major, but but you learned you know you learned how to uh, to maneuver around um, an area where you needed to to rip things down and build them up. So you know, doing that. Um, I also, since we are so small, you know, I went from mainly uh, the difference between managing a crew of, let's say, close to 100 people to having a small restaurant is like you're doing it all. You know, you're setting up, you're doing the cooking, you're breaking it down. You know, we scrub the floors, the, we scrub the floor, we do everything. My chefs and I, we do, we do absolutely everything. And the, and the same with the front of the house. You know, if there's a, there's a light bulb out there, you know, 20 feet in there, you know, we're, we're, we're pulling our fucking like ladder. and you know, and hoping, hoping we can get up there uh, safely and, cha- and change the light bulbs and, you know, doing painsting and, and plumbing and, uh, just general general maintenance, even, even, you know, having to deal with cleaning out your own straps, which um, is just a fucking foul business, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where uh, the engineering crew at, at a big spot will, will take care of that for you or have somebody take care of that for you. So, you know, if we can do it legally we will do it you know there's certain things that we have to have people come and do but that's definitely the challenge that even though it's it's significantly smaller it's a fraction of the business and the fraction of the of the of the dollars we're talking about it's it's all encompassing and that's that's definitely the most uh the most difficult part about it the great part about it is that you know we don't have bosses man like we if we want to fucking close we're gonna close like we're gonna we're gonna take um uh, this next Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday off, and we're going to take the whole restaurant out to a hockey game. And then us as managers are going to go down to Portland and, you know, research in a very fun way, you know, bars and restaurants down there. Right. And, uh, and then we're just going to give ourselves an extra day to, uh, sleep it off. I <laughs> think go back to work on a Wednesday. So it's nice being able to do that, setting our own parameters. And,
0: right.
1: You know, you know, we want to spend time with our families on Christmas and, even though it'll probably be a big money day, we say, fuck it. We spend time with our, we spend time with our fam. And that's, that's the be- that's the absolute best part of it. Yeah, you
0: know? Yeah. That's awesome. I, it's a lot of times people don't realize like when, especially during the holidays, restaurants are one of the, the few places that are open. Um, because you know, people want to get food still, they still want to go out to eat. So to be able to have that work life balance, I'd have to imagine it has to be pretty sweet. Um, I want to fire off just a couple of random questions. Um, so one thing that I want to ask you is, uh, what is so? What is some something culturally, um, like as far as like food food would go, um, like say for example uh, Mexican food or something. Uh, what's what's some type of food culturally that you've never been able to work with, but that you would would jump at the chance to if you got the opportunity so like what's culturally what's something that you would work that you haven't got to work with yet that you would like to in the future
1: you know I'm really um, I'm really getting into um, as of recently um, my friend just went to uh, Israel and they're both they're both chefs and that's that's definitely more in their wheelhouse of, of what they like to do, but just seeing the food that, that came out of, uh, you know, they were in Tel Aviv in Jerusalem, and seeing the food and where they went, and it just looks fucking amazing, and it just looks right, it just looks in line of something that I would really, really like to study and get into, it's really not common, at least from where I come from. Um, you know, certainly, you know, French and Italian dominated, and um, we're still such a to be completely honest, we're still such a young country. Even when you say like American food, people are American immediately going to think, uh, you know, hamburgers, hot dogs, things like that. But it's slowly changing. Uh, I believe that that's slowly changing, but that's, that's something that I'm really, I'm really, really interested in doing. um, getting to learn. Um, but honestly, to be completely honest with you, uh, it, with no bias, like I would be fucking into anything that I never worked with. You know, the, in any culture um, food culture I'm immediately captivated captivated by but that would be off the top of my head something that I'm really interested in and I, I like to just continue to dive into um the world of um you know like the, the the ocean world of course i've done it you know most of my life worked with odyssey things like that but but to the nuance of of uh, things that I've been reading and listening to and how there's just thousands of like ocean vegetables essentially that we don't use or talk about or anything like that that's that's something i'm really really into as well and that's something that would probably actually be smart for us to get into for uh, for a number of reasons
0: so you said like ocean vegetables is what you're saying
1: <laughs> yeah it's a it's an easy way to yeah to kind of sum it up yeah there's a lot of uh you know regenerative uh, uh ocean farming hmm. and uh you know to put it you know, like real simple things like, um, like, like any, seaweed, like any sort of seaweed, um, um, you know, is a good example, but, but, but past that, there's, there's a, there's a lot of things that I, that I know that I don't even know about. Um, and, uh, and so that's something that I'm really, that I'm really interested in. They have, for instance, there's, there's sea beans that grow on the shores that are called goose tongues. There's sea beans or, or, you know, sea asparagus. Um. Uh, all those things are, 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 really fascinating. And, um, you know, learning the, you know, cooking with some of these things just year after year, you, you understand the, uh, what you can and can't do with them. And, and that can be, that can be really interesting to me. Uh, you know, I really, there's, there's such a, there's such a sameness in a lot of restaurants, even, even within Seattle, which is becoming, in my opinion, a, you know, a great food hub. Um, but there's a there's a lot of sameness, you know. There's a lot of using the same proteins, a lot of using the same cuts. Um, there's a lot of um, similar concepts, and um, a lot of that is is because you know you want your guests to feel comfortable and, and understand what they're eating. Uh, you know, you don't want them to pull out a fucking food lovers companion to be able to read your your menu. That's just obnoxious. Um, <laughs> just it's it, it's to me that's it, it's showy, I, I, I'm not about that shit. But, um, but it, it's so moving, moving towards things like that where it's still very comfortable. It's still very familiar. Um, but, but it's something that uh, you know is exciting. It'd be it'd be good to be able to kind of educate your guests just a, just a little bit on on what's on what we're working with, you know, here, like um, a dish that would you know seem very comfortable to them to ordering, especially if they're even not the most adventurous uh, eaters and then you know being able to explain hey you know this this is a green that grows all up and down the west coast that you have probably seen a million times in the of the you know that that's 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 to me that's awesome
0: no one of the things that i remember wh- about working with you was because at alderbrook they would do a lot of uh like demonstrations and they would do a lot of like hands-on like a lot of times you would be working in in like the bar the same bar that I would be working in but you would be doing a demonstration on the other side so I get to hear a lot of your interactions with people and people fucking love that shit when you can when they can eat food and you can tell them a story about about where that food came from or why that food is the way it is. And, uh, people love that shit and you were really good at doing that. So, um, I'd have to imagine that you, you probably, now that you get to do whatever you want, I'm sure you probably have stepped your game up even more. Um, I wanted to go back to something you said a little bit earlier, um, on you were saying that people think of American food as hamburgers and hot dogs and it's, it's evolved, From that, so what what would be considered American cuisine now? If if we've kind of moved on from not moved on, but like expanded on hot dogs and hamburgers,
1: like what is what would I consider American food
0: now? Yeah, uh, you said it's kind of shifted. So what would you say it's it's shifted towards?
1: Well, it's shifting. um I don't think that we're I don't think we're out of the woods yet, so to speak. But um. I mean, anything, bro, like if you, um, you know, I just watched this documentary of this, this gal who was talking about, um, I think she made like a heirloom tomato and like cucumber salad or something of that matter. And she was going, you know, people, and she's from the South and she was saying, you know, people think that um, Southern food is all, you know, fried chicken, catfish and crits, which it is, it absolutely is. But if there's heirloom tomatoes and there's cucumbers that were grown right down the road, and we're putting it on the plate to make a additional, this is Southern food too,
0: and that's oh, okay.
1: That, that's exactly it. You know, like we, you know, the state of the state of Washington is is just it's it, it's incredibly rich with uh, natural resources and some of the best growing soil in all the world. I live in, I you know, my restaurants in Seattle, but I live in Snohomish, and it's really close to Skagit Valley, which is like some of topsoil in the absolute world and what they grow up there is absolutely amazing not not to mention just the efforts of of uh, you know farm farmers to to uh you know direct basically direct contact with farmers cutting out all the middle and they've done an amazing job there but we have um so here's an example of an american dish we take carrots from mount vernon and um then we make like a basically a sauce to puree of them and we take uh, sablefish from Nia Bay, and that's been kind of a staple on our menu. You know, So we'll do sablefish, carrots, and let's say in the fall it would be Romanesco cauliflower and onions from the Skagit Valley. And um, let's say even as far as like getting Meyer lemons from California and preserving them, putting that on the plate, sablefish, carrots, onions, preserved lemon. That's that's fucking that's fucking as American as it gets. I mean that's right. all right here. You know.
0: So you're talking about just locally sourced, fresh um community food that you get from, you know, people in your area.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and of course we'll draw inspiration in terms of, you know, how to do how to do something. You know, it's like that that old adage, you know, you teach a, teach a man to give him manifest, fish, teach a man to fish. You know, and that's what we're doing with French cuisine, or Spanish cuisine, or Italian cuisine—you learn techniques. You know they've been doing it for far longer than we've even been the country. So you know you're going to want to definitely learn from somebody who's more knowledgeable than you. But it doesn't—it doesn't mean that. It you know it drives me nuts that we put things in boxes so much. You know it's like well what kind of restaurant are you? It's like we had to say we're French American, but we're All fucking right. not. <laughs> you know like we're we're American as American gets and you know, half of our you know, some of our strongest sucks are from Mexico City and or first generation, you know, Mexican or they're from, you know, Kentucky. And so and I'm from Arizona, you know, and, and we've all met in Washington, well that's that's American. You right. know, and that's that's what I that's the beautiful thing, you know, is that it's what we're doing at the restaurant is it's is is solely American. Because we're all we're doing everything that we're doing in, in America. I mean, we're not making fucking spaghetti and meatballs, which right. is actually super American. But um, that's that's the thing that I, I I love about where we're at is that there's there's so much. I mean, even even we even when we were on the cooking out, there's a lady who grew a, a an enormous yeah. amount of wasabi. Oh yeah, super random, super random, right. but it flourished there. And nobody would ever think that, you know, putting wasabi, putting hood canal-grown wasabi on hood canal oysters, you know, Pacific oysters that were originally from Japan, you know, is as is, is American, but it is. I mean, how could it, how could it, how could it, it couldn't be more American.
0: Right. It's grown on the soil. It's grown, but,
1: yeah. You know, it's right there, you know,
0: so. I think that's a really interesting take on it. Um, I, I've never certainly thought about it that way um i want to because i want to start wrapping it up here shortly um and there's a couple things i wanted to just ask you um a couple other like random things if you were to do a show um like any type like you know any type of chef show that's on there right now um like which show would you choose like which show would you choose to compete on or like, what would your your concept be if you were to start your own show? Like, I know there's there's a million cooking shows. Um, there's uh, they've been done a hundred different ways. Um, if you had an idea, what would your little spin on a cooking show be? Or what show would you like? Or you can either answer that one, or you can answer which show you'd like to get on as like a uh, as a contestant and compete that you're a fan of.
1: Uh, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, back in the day, I really wanted to get on on uh, Top Chef. Like, I, I went through the whole uh, the whole uh, process of trying to get on that show, lar- largely because of uh, of prize and the like the, uh, the final prize and what what I saw it do uh, for people's careers was fucking right. incredible. I mean, there's chefs that are still very very much relevant and and successful that have won a season ten years ago, you know, and and so seeing actual tangible evidence of it being um, of it being beneficial, legitimately, was probably the reason I wanted to do. That um, you know, the more I the more I do this, the more you learn about how it really is on the back end of you know you're making tv at that point in time i I don't know you know that i would care for that too much but you know i like i like the competition side side of it um even though i'm probably you know i'm more of a i'm somebody who encourages a lot more Uh, you know I, i i think that it's such a difficult industry as it is already that i don't think that we should be hating on each other Um, you know to me i I think that we need to be um helping each other up and and, and supporting one another and being fans of one another you know rightfully so you know you don't have to love everybody but there's a little bit of a an air of um uh a lot of chefs are haters and it's just it's um that's that's unfortunate so um Kind of going off on a little bit of tangent here, but uh, no, that's um, fine. anywho, you know, I I, uh, I like to uh, I like to think of 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 course I like competition uh, if I want to be in a show like something like that. So something something competitive, I, I think I would enjoy on a real superficial level. Um, in terms of uh, a show that I, would, that I would want to do, I, I don't know that I've ever put any thought into it. But what I think I would be successful at is going to places that need help and, and helping them, helping them kind of you know getting some low-hanging fruit and, and putting some concepts together and um, you know helping people see their, their potential. That, that's something I think that I, I would be um, good at. But um, to be completely honest, what I wanted to do most would probably be do something where it highlights where the products come from. You know, who's raising, these, who's raising these animals, how they're raising them. You know, they're, they're just hardworking and passionate about what they do as, as, as most chefs are, but probably even more so than most chefs. Um, you know, these, the people that we get are, are um, like at the restaurant where all of our beef and all of our pork comes from is like 90% of it comes from like one farm in Moses Lake, Washington. Where we get our oysters we get them from the people who raise them and they bring them in twice a week and sit down at the bar and have a beer and um you know it's just gotten done you know being up at 3 a.m to get the low tide and then driving into seattle and dropping off their products that are exceptional um or the gal who drives out from eastern washington and pulls up her box van in front of our restaurant and throws it open the door and we run in and, and buy things and that's how we ride the, you know the seasonals for the weekend um, you know, being able to go out and, and, and highlight what they do and just document what they do and then maybe bring it back around, and, like putting it into a restaurant mm. um, setting and seeing how it actually finally hits the plate, that would be fucking
0: super That would be um, really cool.
1: It should be a full circle of, of where it all comes from. Because a lot of people, you know, they'll say, you know, wow, this, this steak is great. But to be completely honest, I mean, you know, in terms of like, you know, some of our staple menus like uh like our steak breeds. I mean we're just we're just warming up what they did. You right. know, like they raised the animal, like we're not there's not a whole lot of technique in the grilling steak. There's not a whole, not not to say that we don't I'm not very proud of what we do, but that that's just a really simple preparation. We're just warming up the 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 product that they worked so hard and they truly love for. I mean they named their animal and and put it on a plate we get all we get all the praise, which I'm not saying that we don't deserve, you know, um, deserve time and worse from, from, the, from time to time. But nobody thinks about farmers, right. you know. Nobody thinks about the ranchers, and that—that that would I would like to see come full circle.
0: I, I think I came up with a concept for a show that would work in the Pacific Northwest that would cover all the bases here. So this is my idea, and if you like it, you can take it, and you can be the host of the show. It's a little hardcore, though, since it's Pacific Northwest, you take people and you send them into the woods, and they have to kill their meat that they're going to use for this competition, but they only get, like, a spear or, like, a knife or some shit, so not everybody's going to make it. The first round is basically the, the the woods will eliminate the first round of people, and then the second round would be, like, them then making whatever they caught and killed into some food. But, um, yeah, like I said, it'd be pretty hardcore. They'd be all high on legal weed and shit cause it's Washington. So just send them off into the woods, all stoned and then just record it and see what happens. And then you have to come up with different dishes from that, whatever you kill. So whether it's like a, a bear yeah, yeah. or a, an elk or, um, yeah, it's but... your Oh yeah. Nobody would, I don't think anybody would make it past the first round. They'd all just end up dead. <laughs>
1: No, no that would that would, be, that would be interesting that would be really good but you know there's I mean there's something to be said about what you're saying I mean if you you know if you enjoy meat and you you've never killed an animal or caught a fish and, or, or killed a fish or you know slaughtered a rabbit or, or anything of that manner. I mean it's a very very sobering a very sobering experience you know and and the hunting elements of it um would would be super would be super interesting because people will get people will get emotional like if somebody's ever shot a deer or or something like that like i you know which i which i never have like if i if i hunted and stalked an elk or a deer and i killed it probably be honestly like i would have the utmost respect for it
0: but i would it would be it would, it would have to be an emotional experience oh i you bet know? you'd get some real would, reactions would, for that show yeah i think we have a hit yeah.
1: Because it could work. I mean, I mean, so much garbage works. Why
0: wouldn't that? Yeah, I mean, people love violence. I mean, you can you can watch violence all day on TV. Um, but, you know, as long as we don't show any titties, I think we're good.
1: <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh,
0: um, I want to start getting ready to wrap up. I just want... So it sounds like you're super happy where you're at. Um, I'm happy to hear that. Uh, working with you... You were one of my the chefs that I actually really liked working with that I looked up to. So when I was starting to do the podcast, uh, you you immediately came to my mind as somebody that I wanted to talk to. Um, so I appreciate you coming on. What does like the perfect future look like for you as far as like, you know, it sounds like you've got a pretty sweet gig going right now. Do you expand on that or do you see yourself, you know, having your own line of barbecue sauce? Like what would what, what, ideally do you? want to see for yourself in the future?
1: You know, I mean, to put it simply, I mean, I just want to be able to take care of myself and my family um, comfortably. Uh, But then, you know, ideally, I mean, I would like to, I mean, who knows what the future holds, I mean, who knows if this expands. Uh, I mean, we're growing at such an incredible rate right now that that's not unlikely. It's definitely not, um, it's definitely not a. It's not an insane thought, um, but I, I think that pulling it all together at I Monday mean, night, I'm sure you kind of get the gist that I'm, I'm really into where and how we get our food, right? Uh, and so being able to somehow tie that in, um, and you know, really use a restaurant or a, any sort of food service sort of um, operation that I have uh, to just help. Um, bringing people closer to what they're eating because there's such a disconnect. Um, and, you know, bringing closer to the farms or bringing them closer to, you know, it's really not that crazy to think that, you know, we can, we can grow our grow our food and raise our animals in a much more sustainable way, um, which seems a little bit hippie sometimes. Uh, and certainly there's some, there's some notions of that, but being able to take that, you know, wholesome. You know, sort of uh, very holistic, really old school styles, and applying to the modern world, modern world, and, uh, and and you know, being able to have a restaurant that's um, providing food that's like very artfully done, very you know thoughtful, um, but of course delicious and, and, and approachable. That would be that would be it. You know, it's it's um, it's doing that. bringing all that together. You know, being able to you know um, provide opportunities for for staff members to raise families or further further themselves. You know, I love the fact that you know we create jobs at our restaurant, and we have people you know doing well, being able to to uh, you know pay their bills and, and live their lives and, and and come to work inspired. And I would I would hope I would like to think so and. And then just also having a place where chefs can come, uh, you know, aspiring chefs or, or restaurateurs or, or front of the house managers or sommeliers or anything like that, um, and having an, a, a place where then they can come and grow and, and further their careers and move on um, to, to, to things of their own. That all-encompassing um, would be great. Um, if I could put all of that together, it'd be... I I mean I don't have any reasons to bitch now, but I would have you know even less than nice. That would be ideal.
0: Well, I'm glad that you found a spot that is. It sounds like it it works for you. Um, I'm definitely gonna have to come out and check you out. Like I said, my wife is pregnant right now, so she's all about eating food. So she's definitely gonna (laughs) yeah. Congratulations on that. Thank you. She's definitely gonna be uh, interested in checking that out. Um, where can people find you? Um, why don't you let people know if they want to come check out the restaurant or if you have any type of social media presence, um, where can people check you out?
1: Uh, well, my Instagram handle is delgado 32 uh, obviously, you know, Josh Delgado. So jdelgado 32 on Instagram. Um, the restaurant is LeCoin, uh, L-E, second word, C-O-I-N. Uh, that's in Fremont. It's in Upper Fremont. We're in a, uh, legendary building he used to, uh, the old Buckaroo Bar—it uh, was Restaurant Root for a little while. Uh, we've taken it on, uh, but a, but an iconic building in Upper Fremont for a while. Uh, we're on Facebook, La Seattle. Uh, we're on Instagram, La Seattle. Um, we're open every day. We do dinners every day. We do brunch on the weekend. Uh, we certainly focus on uh, on what's good when what it's good in the area. And um, you know, to what you were saying uh, in terms of earlier about uh, demonstrating—you uh, know, doing demonstrations things of that. So, uh, we get engaging with the guests in the front of the house from the kitchen aspect. Um, we have four of the best chef's counters in all, all of Seattle. Big, long, marble lab um, And it's just like sitting up at a sushi restaurant. And uh, and everybody that we work with is uh, very engaging. Uh, they're very much so empowered to um, engage with guests. So people who want to sit up there, who are food, who like to talk to just fucking love it. They just get off on it. And oftentimes they're... You know, they get little treats uh, throughout the night. You know, when we're jamming, uh, you know, we have, uh, we're making a. We have this legumes dish, and we're making a couple of them. We'll set them a little bit of side, let them try it. So uh, we're very, we're very engaging in that manner. Uh, we've been open for uh, coming up on two years this July, and, and I think we're really, we're really hitting our stride. So uh, we're really proud of what we've done. We've all, it's, we've all been doing this for a long time, and we have a, we have a lot of, a lot of pros working with us.
0: Nice. Um, I'm definitely excited to do this again. I, I think we should do it in person next time. We're close enough to where uh, we should be able to do this in person. Um, I think it would be a cool idea too to I know you said that um, you know, chefs can be haters. Um, but if you had any chef friends or anybody that would be interested in coming on the podcast, I think it would be cool to sit down with maybe a couple different chefs um, from different backgrounds and kind of have an episode where, um, you, we can just hear some stories and hear some, um, some insight into, uh, the food world. So, uh, I appreciate you coming on. I'll be in touch with you. I'm going to jump off here and then I'll jump on messenger to, um, hit you up real quick. Um, chef Josh Delgado. I appreciate your time, man. Thanks for coming on. It's good to talk to you. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we head out?
1: Oh man, thank you very much for having me. This was uh, good to see you doing. Good to see you doing well, and I, I wish nothing but uh, uh, nothing but success with important because I'm a I'm a big fan of podcasts myself, and I have the uh, the ones that I like to uh, listen to regularly. So I was just, I was excited to do this. I like this uh, this longer, long conversation. I think it's I think it's great. I think in the world of you uh, know five second you know expansions, you know five seconds. You know, you know, um, five seconds uh, what am I trying to say? Uh,
0: it's, attention spans. Right. I yeah. This, it's, this it's was, quick. Really,
1: yeah. Yeah. And so it, it goes
0: guys. by quick. I mean, I feel like this, this hour just went by real quick and like, I feel like we could, we could probably go for like another hour. Um, but, um, I only have so much bandwidth, so I got to cut it short. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, pre- absolutely. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on. We'll definitely have to do this again. Uh, chef Josh, thanks again. And I'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks brother. Thanks for tuning in to the itty bitty podcast. Uh, thanks again to my, my guest, Josh Delgado. Um, check out his restaurant, LaCoin in Fremont. If you're in the Seattle area um, and then check him out on social media. Um, he says it in the, the podcast. as is after. So thanks again for tuning in. Uh, if you like our show, don't forget subscribe rate review, go through the website, Please go through the website if you can, ittybittypodcast.com, and um, make sure you follow us on Instagram, ittybittypodcast, Twitter, at ittybittypcast. And then next week on the show, we will be talking, um, we're going to do a couple different episodes talking about esports. So I'm very much fascinated by esports. I think that since we're moving into digital, type of age that we're going to be talking more and more about esports so i wanted to do a couple different episodes so i might do every other um i might do um a couple in a row um but yeah we'll see how it how it comes out let me know on social media if you think we should do a couple episodes in a row of esports or if i could if i should just kind of stagger them up because i'm doing a couple different interviews with different people of different um backgrounds in esports to kind of get different opinions and i might do one a little bit more in depth than than the other so um, i'm excited Uh, the first one i did was really good i'm doing another one I'm recording another podcast tomorrow so that'll be up in the next couple weeks so thanks everybody for tuning in if you like the show thanks again i appreciate it and then um, i'll talk to you guys next week